0: Guns, your cops and thugs, your lies on the TV. None of that can save you now, as your reign is swept away. Get up, get up, your voices are needed. Become, become the pulse of the revolution And the ranks of the masses rising. Get up, get up, your voices are needed. Become, become the pulse of the revolution And the ranks of the masses
1: rising.
2: Tonight, uh, anyways, we we have. Aaron Franz. He is the host of the podcast, The Age of Transitions, and also the author of the book, Revolve Man's Scientific Rise to Godhood. I have not had the chance to read the book, but I'm an avid listener of his podcast, The Age of Transitions. One reason being is there's a a serious lack of individuals covering cutting-edge technology, cyborgs, and transhumanism, and the ethics involved, and giving us good insight also with a comedic uh, relief. So everyone, welcome Aaron Franz here. Aaron, thank you for being here with me. I, I really, really appreciate this.
0: Yeah, great to be here, Bobby. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah. Uh how long have you, you know, this isn't going to be an interview, uh diddy. This is uh rather it be more of a, a conversation as opposed to a uh like a just a general interview because I think we could we kind of bounce off of each other when it comes to the realms of uh side tech and uh, transhumanism. Though, uh is there any Are there any other little details you'd like to say about like how long you've had your podcast? And um, I'm not going to ask you the question, how long did it take you to write your book? (laughs) Because there's a lot of research that that goes into uh, all of that stuff. You know, when it comes to writing something that's hundreds of pages long, a lot of research. Uh, So, no, I just... Um how long have you had your podcast The Age of Transitions?
0: You know what? I, it's not something I usually think about because I'm really bad with like uh keeping track of time, honestly. It's I think it's one of my faults, character faults, but now that you mentioned it just here a minute ago, I thought about it and I'm pretty sure it's about a decade I've been doing the podcast because <laughs> I did the I did the video in 2008 and um, not long after that, I started the podcast. It wasn't even two years later, I don't think. So it's it's around that long. So it's been a little while.
2: <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, I I love your video, uh, your documentary. It's more of a documentary, and some of the visuals in there are, are really um, intriguing. Just some of the effects that you did, but you know, breaking down to you know the key points here science and technology and transhumanism Uh, just an introduction to transhumanism what it is, is the transition of the human body into that of a cybernetic organism also known as a cyborg but for mainstream society to be comforted and conditioned by the the concept, the the reality of transhumanism, which which has actually been a reality for wow, welcome to 2020, for about nearly 50 years, as we we had Alzheimer's and dementia, Parkinson's patients being implanted with uh, brain stimulating devices back in the 70s. Though, um, mm. uh, wh- though, what is your take? Those,
0: to- those, I, I was just going to say real quick, like, electrodes in the brains of humans and animals both goes back to, like, I want to say the late 1800s. I don't recall off the top of my head, but it's at least the early 20th century that they were just simply putting electrodes into the brains of animals to see, like, what um what happened. So, the you know, starting there and moving through the century and Jose Delgado was, uh, you know, doing the same stuff, putting his, what he called stim receiver in the brains of, uh, well, his famous experiment was with the bull, right? He did that bull fight where he had the bull hooked up to his uh, stim receivers implanted in the brains. He had like a little button where he was the matador and the bull charged him and he just pressed a button and the bull like spun out, spun out and didn't charge anymore. That I I actually wrote an article about that because I, I find it highly symbolic in the very esoteric occult sense that they chose that. It was it was a big news piece at the time. I want to say it was like 68 or something like that. It was like late sixties, I think, was when that happened
2: Yeah, I remember that being one of the earliest accounts.
0: Yeah. It was the first one of like the first big like public displays of like, hey, check this idea out. It's like the guy actually did it. Cool, huh? Or not so cool, really, because people were terrified of it, uh, with good reason.
2: It was, it was, it was Nazi cool, but it was definitely <laughs> yeah. not not so cool. Uh, um, it it just shows an example of the uh, desensitization that comes with that t- that realm of scientific research and development, and of course in order to condition the public, and you're going to hear me say that word a lot, probably the conditioning, is, okay, let's do this on an animal. People just w- will laugh at it, more than likely, and think, oh, that's cool. It'd be cool to have a, you know, a timber wolf with a brain implant that I could just let loose out into the public with... Uh, you know, nothing but a a collar and a leash on, right? But I could have my little remote control button like a garage door opener in my pocket and control when he attacks or not. So the the desensitization. uh, And then the realms into the human research. Uh, The
0: yeah Delgado, by the way, did have human uh subjects of his experiments as well, which is fascinating and it's uh it's detailed pretty good in his book psycho civilized Society I believe is the name of the book and go out and find it online give it a read it's uh it's worth it it's pretty wild. I want to say that he was getting the patients from i want to say they're coming from like mental institutions and Possibly prisons and things like that. He got, uh, but he, he was implanting electrodes in these people's brains and to all sorts of interesting results. Pretty wild. Could
2: you could you imagine how how his lab smelled? <laughs> j- j- just the, the scent of like electronics and just fried brain matter. That that would just be <laughs> just horrifying.
0: I uh, just the smell of like monkeys alone would. Be probably the worst of it because he did have quite a few monkeys and whatnot. So
2: yeah, yeah. It was like talking about that, and then going back into the '60s, uh, monkeys. I remember during the Neuralink promo video mm. that they that they had brought out uh, one of Musk's scientists. I believe was his his chief scientist. Uh, got a little angry with with Elon Musk because he bl- <laughs> they tend to do that <laughs> because because he blurted that they were using primates um oh. in, in their uh brain uh brain implant experiments for the neuralink and he, mm. you know his uh mm. yeah his uh his scientist got a little mad he was like mm, you know kind of like skiddling his feet I um, yeah because but was, but nobody, nobody was nobody was supposed to know
0: that. Right? No one was supposed to know that we were doing primate research. I'm sure there's more than one law on the books against that. Oh, um, so,
2: probably. Yeah. Holy moly! I mean, j- just our imagination can't take us to the realms of of the restraint and the you know the constraints and the seclusion that those animals would have to go through uh, in mm-hmm. order for. These individuals and these corporations to make new products—that that's, that yeah. bo- that bothers me a lot. As uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I uh, I do not yeah. I do not agree with the animal experimentation, let alone the human experimentation. So, yeah, I wonder what's kept secret from us. What top secret documents have been kept from us, and how do we find them? So uh, we can start with some clues. Um, definitely from what you've told us already. Uh, going and then also going back to the '60s. Um, see here, uh, Manfred E. Kleins and Nathan S. Klein hmm. from the Rockland State Hospital. In, you know, talking about uh, neuropsychiatric uh, experimenters. And Orangeburg, New York, uh, put out a paper for a, a, a NASA speech in the early 60s um, entitled Cyborgs and Space, Altering Man's Bodily Functions to Meet the Requirements of Extraterrestrial Environments Would Be More Logical than providing an earthly environment for him in space. Arti- <laughs> artifact organism systems, which would extend man's unconscious <laughs> self regulatory controls, are one possibility. And this dude, Manfred E. Klein, from Rockland State Hospital, and this other guy, uh, Klein, they think they got it figured out back in the 60s and how to recreate man for space. Base. Um, yeah. How? How do you do this that? This is.
0: This is a hospital. Who are these guys again? Who are they looking for? What's what's their deal?
2: Well, we got uh, Manfred Manfred E. Kleins and Nathan mm-hmm. S. Klein. Kleins uh, is, is spelled C L Y N E S, and then yeah. Na- Nathan S. Klein is K L I N E.
0: Yeah, and and they were working just at a hospital. Is that what you said?
2: Well, previously, previously, Manfred E. Kleins uh, worked in um, uh, psychiatry at Rockland State Hospital, and Nathan S. Klein uh, worked as a physician and a surgeon. And okay. but anyways, okay. and then and then we we fast forward back. Um, To 1963, where NASA put out a uh, research paper entitled "Engineering Man for Space: The Cyborg Study." NASA, yeah. How? How do? Yeah. So you know, just the little timeline from the sixty to the 1963. Mm -hmm. NASA now has these ideas to actually recreate man for space. So do. Do we think that it's a possibility that back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, 2010s, that they had actually created top secret? And I don't like conspiracy theory too much, but I do like stimulating thought on on how we can research uh, more information. It's, is there a possibility that NASA actually created cyborgs, uh, concept cyborgs, to explore in space environment. I think so.
0: Hmm. I would guess that they didn't actually make the cyborgs then. It was just, you know, the idea. And, and at the time, you know, the technology was, um, was, was here, you know, computers were a real thing. And, and from the earliest days of computers, like Back to the giant uh, they took up entire room, the vacuum tubes, whatever they were called giant computers um there was a lot of um philosophical and like religious significance uh placed in this like mythos made over computer science and what the the promise that it held by the people who were developing this within academia within the government, the military. And um, this is doc. This is um a good account of this. I'll say is in Yasha Levine's book Surveillance Valley. Uh, he gets into um the history of the internet, and he gets into the history of really uh in- information technology here, like I'm I'm talking about. And he points out that a lot of these figures that were uh that were early in the development of these computers were also the ones talking about. Turning to computers, uh, eventually making them artificially intelligent. The concept of artificial intelligence kind of arose right away, or or, or it was it was brought uh, to the forefront of this again philosophical, religious, um, myth making side to computer science from the very earliest days, and I think that's significant in and of itself you know you don't have to like actually have the full on technology right away like that but even just like these having these visions and these goals from the outset and the and especially when you see the people who are saying these things uh, and and really the lack of understanding i mean this isn't in any real common history so you have to go digging for this kind of thing. You have to be like a depraved nerd that's just really into computers to like know about these guys or like be into, you know, uh, subjects like us to see the sort of like uh, darker aspects of where, for instance, internet was born out of. And you read a book like Yasha Levine's and you and you, f- you find this all out. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think just, again, that myth, that mythos being made has it's 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 almost i i i just don't think you can downplay that and and i also think that one of the problems in our day is our inability to see the significance in that weird realm of the mind the realm of ideas the realm of myth we've lost touch with what myth is its power um and, and at the same time, by the same token, we're quick to like, or certain people are quick. The ones who would brush off, you know, the power of myth would be the same ones to quickly pick up the banner of like science and progress and say, hey, you know, a great idea is to turn ourselves into cyborg machines thanks to the artificial intelligence that we create. We're just going to merge with it and it's going to uh, make us advanced transhuman beings. You know, it's the same sort of like I I I feel like it's the same sort of person that kind of like rushes to both of those. It's like, oh yeah, myth is a bunch of hoo-ha from the Middle Ages, a bunch of stupid people all lived here. Uh, but hey, I got a real great idea. We're gonna all be cyborg supermen uh, in a few years here if we play our cards right. You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, this is this is the world we live in. It's yeah, insane. it
2: it is, and it's you know sometimes it, it it weirds me out so much i i just have to take a big step into nature uh yeah. and, but like <clears throat> but also i feel like if i get get away from the research you know and understanding like what's going on like the real issues like like transhumanism and the the science and technology and the military industrial complex uh, and how that relates to technology um and where that's inter interwoven. Uh, I feel like uh, I feel like I'm going crazy if I don't you know both take a step out into nature whenever I need it and also keep the research going. But um yeah. the, the Air War College is is a a big proponent and a big pusher of some really cutting edge technology and there was a a paper written in uh, let me uh, let me get it back here is in uh in two thousand nine I was reading this today um before before uh before we were going to do the interview with with you aaron mm-hmm. um i had yeah. to i had to pull some documents because I had been in some other fields like nuclear and and some other stuff, and i kind of um my transhumanism and cyborg stuff just kind of had some cobwebs on it so i had to pull some documents off the shelf and start looking at some some things that i had collected years ago uh document and This t- is
0: like the is is this is this the the Air Force's version of like the Army War College like the army has a war college i know that because i yes, grew sir. up not very far from it in pennsylvania this is the air force's version yeah, yes, yeah, sir. The uh
2: the Air Yeah, Air War College, uh considered Air Air University. <laughs> um well this <laughs> okay, this man yeah. I'm not gonna That's, say his uh... name. I'm not gonna say his name just in case he... Well, okay, never mind, I will. Because um the distribution is approved for public release and unlimited. This this is nothing classified. And you can find these mm. these unclassified documents in some good places. Um, yeah. you just gotta, you know, have a good um, data set of databases on deck. His name is Michael Finn II. He was a lieutenant colonel for the United States Air Force. He previously had seventeen years in um, in communications and intelligence, and he's he's claiming that if we do not merge with these technologies, at least let these. Uh, technologies merge with us, then, you know, in the name of war, we're going to have some serious problems as a nation state in the United States, and and you know, and that's that's a very brief sum, though that is what he's saying, and this is a a, a paper that he had wrote. And I'd like to I'd like to attach this to this this discussion, so that everybody can have have this document and read it. But, isn't that, isn't but that like, same stamps as Elon Musk. But you know, in the name of war, we need to advance our technologies and eventually allow these technologies to invade our brains. Um. I have a serious problem with that. I've had I've had nightmares about this type of technology and what it looks like to actually experience a person to uh have to undergo that type of transformation and then another nightmare of a screaming soul being transferred into a smaller vehicle. You know that's that's stuff that doesn't go away with me i mean that's that's traumatic those those kind of nightmares, and these are the type of technologies that these individuals in the name of warfare are wanting to create i I have a problem with it
0: Yeah, well, just the development of these things from the military sphere is had ought to be of concern. And this is one of the main things I like to harp on too. Is like, well, we talk about this airy fairy future where you become a cyborg and the transhuman vision of abundance and just your your transhuman utopian vision sounds nice in certain ways, I suppose, and that, even that's debatable, right? But you know, the the best version of that let's let's give them credit for. Okay, they at least have some ideas that sound good a little bit. What what gets ignored a lot is, you know, well, where is this stuff actually emerging from? Certainly in the United States, it's from uh, the military sphere, the military industrial complex, you know, DARPA, the over-bloated defense budget. That's where the money is for uh, all these uh, companies to do their research. They get funded by the military to do it. Uh, you know, and, <laughs> and then that's, that's where... Um, most of this stuff is coming again in our country for sure. Now, there's other countries that are worthwhile to look at too, like China, and they're developing artificial intelligence in particular at a very fast rate. And they're they're doing it, unlike we are. They're not doing it via their military; they're doing it via their government for sure. And you know that's bad enough, but uh, you know they're not being created. From within the military sphere, at least. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. That's uh, <laughs> again the the history of the internet's tied up as um, uh, it, it was a military project, and it was used for counterinsurgency in Vietnam, like this primitive version of it, and used for surveillance. And so, uh, we we just have to realize the uh environment the tech of technological innovation that we're already in and the way the world just is now before we start in these highfalutin ideas like things are just going to somehow magically work out it's like well okay if, if we go forward with your ideas it's going to be in the way that we've we've been moving forward all along which is not good you know something's got got to change there, bare minimum, if we even decide to go ahead with this, which we probably shouldn't anyway.:
2: <laughs> I'd say definitely, definitely not. yeah <laughs> uh, mm, uh, there there's so many just grotesque and just dystopian scenarios that could come out of uh, v- various applications of the technology. And it, First and foremost And then second Is the military aspect It being used for war purposes You know, harvesting the neural signals Of, of human beings In order to Show autonomous swarms of drones How to interact with each other That's a problem Mm-hmm. A- and yeah. and then second of all just the 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 killing of the imagination the, the original imagination by virtual reality
0: yes virtual reality that's a that's a whole other topic there i mean it, it's uh virtual reality and the concept of mind uploading are sort of weird, gray sort of subjects, hard to pin down. But I, I, uh, I read this interesting piece by this journalist who is uh, interested in the transhumanist subject, and he's just like talked to a lot of people. He he had interviewed a lot of people within transhumanist spheres and research scientists and whatnot. And I, I believe this uh, he wrote a book, and he was saying, based on all his research, what he was surprised to find was like the people that he talked to about mind uploading, the actual prospect of that was greater than a lot of the other like things, like even like nanotech and stuff like that. They'd think it's more just like mundane, straightforward, like, oh I'll be able to do that. He was this journalist was saying that, well actually the mind uploading people made the best case for like this is actually gonna happen. <laughs> you know, like this is doable. That's notable right there. That's, that's weird. It's like, how, how do you even get that to work? And and there's, all, of course, with any of these technologies, I mean, the, there's the philosophical aspect. It's like, you got to ask the question like, okay, you upload your mind into a machine. Is that mind your mind? Is that at all you or is it like, you know, is it just, you know, some program in the machine now that based off of whatever input you're giving it uh, from your biology. Sure. But like, then it takes it and runs with it. Like, is that really you? You know? So you have to ask those questions. Uh, There's no way around that. It's like, yeah, is
2: Is that, that mind really yours anymore or did you sell it to a company um, as a, (laughs) as an electronic clone version that sold on a market? Right? To be uploaded into future bodies. We're not talking Terminator type of sci-fi. We're talking what's actually happening right now. And choosing a side on that. And I think that's really important. That's one of the most tough things to do is to actually choose a a side.
0: And like where you draw the line. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. The, the problem with... I mean... I, we do need to draw the line and and we don't and the issue really with that the problem with that is you know technological progress is a beast unto itself that no single person can stop you can choose to adopt or not adopt certain technologies but even that choice is very limited i mean Try not having a computer or an email, or if you want to go back further, like try not having a telephone um, and you know getting along in day to day life it's you you cripple yourself to an extent just as regards to the normal quote unquote normal world when you do those things, sure, you can choose to do them, but nobody really does and and again, like these things just keep moving along, nobody can stop the overall movement of technological progress at this stage and it's really it's it's i i think it's interesting to think of uh technology as like sort of a force unto itself and um even jacques Hulot, who was very um famous as one of the most famous uh philosophers um to talk uh, against technological progress or at least critique it i don't know if he's necessary. um even he kind of hinted at like this sort of weird mystical quality that the machine overall has, and he he quite he really quite explicitly gets into that, especially toward the end of the technological society. Um, so I, <laughs> I don't know. I that that's that's the issue. It's like yeah, we all want to draw the line, but it's almost like that choice is taken we don't even have the choice to an extent, to an extent, you know, we do, we don't. So I don't know. It's, it's good to be realistic too. It's good to be realistic about this and, 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 and just see how this is all happening and, 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 you know, know your own limitations, but at the same time we, we have to do something we, we can't just let things roll forward. That's the real um, finesse with it all. It's like, okay, well, what do we do? I think we can do things, and I believe I am—I believe I'm doing something. That's why I'm doing the show and all this. I—I—I I, I don't know for certain what it is, but I—I I, I just, you know, continue doing it in the hopes that you know it does have an effect. And you know, you just got to do—you got to do what you can. I'll—I'll I'll say, and you can't be discouraged when if you think that's not enough, because it it has to be enough.
2: Yeah, yeah. um, That's one thing I'm learning is, uh, (laughs) yeah. I mean, being – it's nice to be out here in California. It's really nice. It's really nice to be given the space to actually do this. Everyone has a right. They have a right to modify their body if they want to. But I think people need to Mm -hmm. take a step back and see that this isn't just Botox – Botox, first of all, Botox is weird to me. Um, and, and those people act different. <laughs> like they act differently when they're in a, um, in a clinic. They feel like they got to be hit first. They got, they got to get it smoochy, smoochy. Give me my, give me, get my blood drawn or I'm out of here. You know, those kind of people. And it's just weird. It's weird to see that. And I mean, like, I don't want to label those people, but, um, <laughs> but dude, um, Okay. Take it a step further. You know, the same people who would accept, you know, the the face implants uh, willingly for just cosmetic reasons, or you know, just an RFID chip under under their um, wrist or in their hand, so that they can control their electronic devices. These are the people that are pushing the the cyborg realm even more forward. And, you know, we got post the posthuman, um, Natasha Vita Moore. So weird to me. Uh, she's married to a, a very outspoken Satanist.
0: Well, yeah, he had that comment about Lucifer, didn't he, Max Moore?
2: Yeah, yeah, on the... Um, oh, man, I, I wish I remembered the, the name of the... Yeah, he had a, uh, a few pages. It was like a like a short... Short, like, uh, synopsis on an appreciation of Satan, Lucifer, <laughs> <laughs> <Is> that- uh-huh. <laughs> dude. That was Max Moore before he cha- changed his name. And then, like, like, all these Christians were like, dude, we're gonna jack you up. <laughs> 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 right. mm-hmm. Um, I, I will, don't <laughs> quote me on that.
0: You, you were, you were on the live show when somebody, oh, it was, um, it was Rachel Haywire was actually bringing the Moors up and she was uh, bringing up his like uh, like that weird comment or uh, was it was a comment he made uh, uh, insinuating that he was not against pedophilia I forget how that worked you were there that night
2: weren't you yes that was an episode of The Age of Transition <laughs> but I, 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 yeah I had called in and there was a um, she was actually part she was and probably still is, uh, part of, and high up in the, um, and, you know, good that you're getting that kind of information. Uh, The Mm -hmm. World Transhumanist Association, uh, formerly known as,
0: um, well, they changed, they were, they were, yeah, yeah, they changed to humanity plus. That's right. Yeah. Then, and, what the heck are they now? There's some other name now I want to say. They, they keep moving around and shifting and changing the names and rebranding. It's what people with bad ideas have to try to rebrand and re repackage their message in hopes that their bad idea will eventually uh catch on but and then they're confounded, and people don't like it over and over again,
2: yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, just because the Podbean live stream didn't work earlier, I'm not gonna change the name of a call to actions
0: no, no, that's a good name
2: um and that? you know Kimberly, she has a good name, she has a good story behind it too uh it, it it and you know some people would probably think that well, we were looking for a call to action. But it was already taken. Um, that's actually not the story.
1: What's funny about that...
2: Hold on, let her come around the corner. Here she comes.
1: The, the funny thing about that is I had never heard the term a call to action, ever. What? It, it was this was in 2013. Um, prior to Bobby um, and I knowing each other, I was doing a little bit of internet radio stuff and we were covering some controversial stuff and we were getting censored. And so I'm out running one day and God's like, it's called a call to actions radio. Okay. Mm -hmm. Build your own platform because that way nobody can censor you. Okay, fine. You know, go forward. It wasn't till I don't know, years later that I had heard the term a call to action. So... At the time, you know, I had never heard of it. It wasn't like I was copycatting. But, but why something. But why
2: was it, uh, why did you choose actions, plural?
1: Actions, plural, because it was about... It
2: wasn't because a call to action was already taken.
1: No, 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 no. It was a call to actions. It is There's many calls to action. So it's plural, which means we have many different focuses and many different ways on how we can come together... And, and acknowledge the things that are not on the up and up and bring solutions. And, and as a team, we're not here to bring fear. We're not here to get people upset. We're here to focus on solutions. So the whole idea of a call to actions is let's get together. Let's get it in action. Let's bring solutions. Let's put the focus there. And part of that is acknowledging what's going on on our day-to-day basis that people don't know about they're not going to hear about because I, I, they're distracted by things that don't matter <laughs> i think
2: um you know yeah i think the power of words you know the power of the spoken word is extremely is. powerful and you know just through a even just a a sentence like you can strike someone to really it's listen terrible. listen to your stuff you know and you know just for example i, I think podcasts are are really a really good idea I don't know who who created the podcast you know just w- one good side of technology Um it's a it's a a new wave of radio and you know we're still using radio towers because we have to be connected to the internet this and that whatever it's a different way of getting through to listeners rather than it being mass broadcast on every speaker in every car everywhere there's a uh, it's like it's a private listening and you send it out and whoever wants to listen to it can they don't have to tune in because it's not programmed into their car it's in my opinion a better idea
0: i like the idea of it
2: i, th- I think it's a good idea
0: um yeah yeah, I'm into it. I, that's why I've been doing it. I, that I, it's it is crazy to con, continue doing it. And I'll say when you do do it for a while, that you, the thought crosses the mind like, well, should I continue? And I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's that's something you have to weigh, and it's di- it's difficult, man. It's difficult doing this, but uh, that's that's why I think um, a lot of people within sort of genre of podcasts that you and I do here is, uh, I think it's easy to get burnt out if you don't find a way to make it fun. So you have to do that. You have to find a way to make it fun. You have to have fun doing it. But that that doesn't, that's not to say that, uh, you can't be serious at the same time. That's another juggling act that, uh, that that's it's it's a difficult thing but it's not impossible to do and i think it's something that uh it's like an art form that is worthy of mastery or or, or attempting to master you know
2: i agree and you know i'm going to keep keep doing this well, I, we I, do
1: it for others we don't do it for ourselves you know at the end of the day this is about a service to humanity and we have to find balance in our lives to continue to bring these important things to the forefront but at the same time we had to find balance in our lives so we don't drive ourselves crazy over serving yes. others and underserving mm-hmm. ourselves
2: yeah and I, I see it yeah. like this I mean if we don't get like you know ten thousand or a hundred thousand l- viewers or listeners in the first month yeah, um, we need to we need to check ourselves because the things we're talking about are, are way ahead of the curb, And more than likely, there are going to be people 20 years from now listening to, to these podcasts, be searching through keywords and looking for archived podcasts from 30 years ago, 30 years from now. And they find aid to transitions, a call to actions, to actually talking about you know, our <clears throat> humble knowledge. Of cyborgs and transhumans, all the way back in the uh, the early two thousands and the late nineteen hundreds. It's kind of interesting to me to think about it on a historical level, historical basis.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. This is certainly what we're doing is archived for people who might be so inclined to go back and listen to it. That's the idea. That's what you want as a podcaster. You want people to go back into the archives and dig them up. So who's to say how much that will happen in the future? And uh, certainly we hope that it does. And who knows? Who knows what uh, what will come? But uh, certainly a good thing to do now in the present, now that we're here and we're doing it as we speak.
1: Wow, and so has your focus always been um, the transhumanism stuff, or is it? Did it start out with something different?
0: Well, it started out as that, yes, because the video "The Age of Transitions" was where I got like my public debut, or whatever you want to call it. Like, I made that video about transhumanism because it was like uh, one of the topics that interests me, like the the most interesting probably like the central topic that I was interested in uh, of many topics. I made the video and then it kind of got, it got a real good response. And then it was from the reaction to the video that, you know, people uh, reached out to me and were like, oh yeah, we want to talk to you about this. And then I just kind of, you know, made the website and then made the podcast and wrote a book and then just kind of kept going. And it has uh it's been the central focus of, what it is i do but i i it's not the only thing but uh, it's definitely probably the central thing it has been all these years
1: it's interesting that you said that it was 2010 i don't think i you know that's that was definitely years before i had ever heard of transhumanism um i'm trying to remember exactly when probably Couple years after that, so I, I don't remember a certain moment when I ran across it or like how it came about. But it seems like you were ahead of your time. Do you do you remember that moment when you just had that like, oh wow, what is this and this is wrong and I need to like speak up about that?
0: I I actually do remember that. Yeah, it was just I came across the Wikipedia page for transhumanism <laughs> I came across that because I was just at the time looking up all sorts of stuff so I, I didn't know where I'd find myself next I I was a uh, part of the 9-11 truth movement in Columbus Ohio as a member of the Columbus 9-11 truth group and so you know I was uh, looking up all sorts of stuff online to do with that sort of subject matter and then I, I found this uh transhumanism page on Wikipedia and I read, you know, the whole synopsis there and I was like I put it in context with the other stuff I've learned, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is horrible. And so, you know, that's that's where it began, I suppose. And I I do remember that I remember where I was. I don't I don't just remember that I was on a computer, I was I remember that I was at my friend's apartment in downtown Columbus and I remember that well. So it was, it was an event that does stick in my memory.
1: Yeah, I um, I I grew up in um the Ohio nor- Northern Ohio west of Cleveland, and uh, oh. been been to Columbus many times. Um, yeah, Ohio State, fun place. No. Um, oh yeah, yeah, go go Buckeyes. It's, it's <laughs> yeah.
2: def- Definitely a state, at least a um an area in the United States that needs to be protected.
1: Oh, growing up there, yeah, I still have family there, but yeah, I, I and nine eleven was a was definitely a catalyst for my my spiritual um, growth, where I just went into this like, what is going on here? I I have to go internally yeah. and figure out like, where do I stand? You know, like I, I've got a lot yeah. on the outside that's good, but I'm I'm questioning like, what's going on on the inside, and. Mm basically in january after the 9 11 event i i talked directly to god and said i i gotta avoid my heart and i don't understand this like this world is confusing me and um, mm. i was led directly to have a relationship with jesus christ and it changed my life and ever since then it's it's just like we are on a mission to bring the truth and again, it's not through fear, it's not through um, you know, stirring up anger or anything. It's really just like let's got, let's come together guys, let's like let's wake up together, let's like just, just sift through all this information that it it we're being manipulated by, you know, things that powers that we can't even see. And you know you you feel it. You know you kind of feel it. Like I need to to be part of this movement. And we're there, there's not a lot of people at the forefront. And the people, and you got to dig into things that are really ugly sometimes. And it makes me cry, and I'm upset, and I don't like it. But you know you have. It's kind of like watching a scary movie. You're like looking in between your fingers. You know. You're like I gotta look at this, but I don't want to. Well,
2: let me say it, like, uh, <laughs> that's a uh, one
1: one. Definitely, one important point
2: that that Aaron that you made was, you know, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta find a balance in this because this stuff is so heavy, it's, it's and yeah. it's so just, just mentally exhaustive um, yeah. that we gotta find a balance and and um and make <laughs> make comedy part of it. Yeah, we do. That we have day. to. We have to. Dude, like, okay, check this out. Like, I'm looking at this. Okay, this is part of Science Magazine, and I'm looking at the date. Um, where was it? This is 1960s. We were talking about the 1960s stuff earlier, but this this black image of a man remade to live in space. Okay, and then that there's a a cyborg with you know an artificially pumped heart. Of course, he has all the drugs that he would ever need, all the vitamins and essential uh, minerals that he would need, strapped around his um, around his thigh, right, around his belt. Um, got artificial sensors sensing and detecting and releasing certain chemicals into the bloodstream as this this man remade to live in space he has a a, um, a brain implant is carrying what looks like a a bomb um somewhere on the moon or somewhere on um some foreign planet so you know trump's space force <laughs> would would I mean, it, okay, it's it's 2020. Is this the actual year that they actually launched the real cyborgs into space? I mean, of course that would be completely classified, so we we couldn't know. But we know that the concept's been around since the 60s. Okay. The research has been at, yeah, really at least the research has been done since the 60s. Programming was being done. Properly. So you know, creating a ma- a man that doesn't need an an astronaut spacesuit.
1: Why? Why do they need a man, a fake man in space? What are they doing
2: with it? Well, it's nightmarish. Like, like if you really, you like, really think about it, really, really think about it, it's 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 a nightmare.
0: No. Yeah, I mean, I, I whenever that space Force stuff pops up, it just makes me think of like uh the movie Aliens and the Space Marines, <laughs> you know, the the sequel to Alien, Aliens and the Space Marines. I'm like that's what I always think of. So, you know, about space being a an environment for you know, war,
2: not, not an environment for peace. Um I actually I kind of oppose their their statement yeah, that's, of it being-
0: that's that's a very good point bobby you're, you're and this is bringing up what we're we're talking about earlier is like what's the context that all this technology and in in this specific case space travel what's the context it's bring, being brought up in It was a context of war and fighting and the military it's like well okay yeah we we're we're gonna do all this great stuff in space via our new branch of the military we just made. It's like, is that what's what the what is the matter with us? Is that uh, this is the the way we get things done in America? It certainly is. It's just a it's a sad it's a sad statement on our country in particular. It's just, it's shameful to be quite honest. I don't know why more people don't share that opinion, but. Uh, I I would suspect propaganda has a large uh well of course that I mean that's what's going on. So I mean don't have to be sarcastic about this. It's just how it, how it is. Yeah, I mean next
2: thing you know um life's going to be discovered on Mars, those water bears actually mutated and became the size of grizzly bears. So um <laughs> we're actually going to have to start hitting them with um <laughs> well our our projectile rounds won't work on them because of gravity um remember remember those uh those um water bears that
0: supposedly Uh, spilled on the moon uh those yeah those are those microscopic organisms yeah yeah
2: yeah. actually considered the 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 most tough organism on earth oh yeah imagine if they mutated and and became life-size um and and, well, then, and I could see Trump being like, you know, so you know, remember those those space bears? Well, they kind of look like uh, like gummy bears.
0: Yeah, th- what they look like is that weird caterpillar character from A Bug's Life, the the one with the German accent. You know that thing? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it looks
2: like that thing. Oh, in man. There. Yeah. <laughs> they just want they I mean they have like eight arms or something. They just want yeah, they just want a hug. They just want a um they just want a space hug. They don't want to be hit with lasers. I mean, no. like like I mean the only weapons we could we would be able to survive with, I think probably would be laser weapons. Um projectile rounds of course wouldn't survive in space, but I mean like who knows. Our lasers would probably be completely ineffective because they're um, you know created on different um on different elements that just aren't that shouldn't be used for war purposes on the moon, but I would assume that the space force would actually create certain weapons that actually would and definitely lasers that would uh, be effective in those environments and those elements on the moon, at least, in Mars probably, if it, if those plant if that actually exists. I mean, if their their scenarios that they put out for seventy years actually do exist. I mean, I think we were given Indeed. the wrong. I think we were given the wrong video. I, I do believe. Are
0: you are you talking about are you talking about aliens? The movie on VHS cassette. VHS, it's
2: the best stuff. That's the only way. <laughs> First of all, that's the only way to watch aliens, or or alien. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, if you're gonna watch, if one. you're gonna watch a movie from the 80s or 90s, you need to watch it on VHS. And yeah. you know, go to a um a thrift store and buy a, a VCR player, um or VCR. They're called VCRs for like less than ten dollars and then you can get uh vcr tapes or vhs for like 50 cents at yard sales Mm -hmm. but Mm. um yeah that's the only way to watch those kind of movies but um i agree let's see here What, what else should we cover uh like to get back back on the topic um Mm -hmm. um the space force that was something that that i wanted wanted to cover because like at this point it's just like theoretical because we don't have really any documented evidence to prove wow
0: well doesn't 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 donald trump have a little hat that says space force
2: well it's a it's a real thing yes and well, they they I mean, they, if, c- if, they claim. If he, has a
0: hat, if he has a hat that says that, it's got to be real. Has to yeah, be, uh, has to well, be. That's,
2: that's but but I, we, that's we don't know. We don't know if they're creating cyborgs uh, for space, space yet. Force. But I would say definitely that would be where they would create cyborgs to go into space. Would be actually the space force. The space force. <laughs> <Yeah. Elon laughs> white. White space blondes Space x Or
1: space force. White
2: blonde clones. No,
1: so um is Elon Musk SpaceX or
2: Space Force? Uh Elon Musk, Kimberly's asking, is um Elon Musk SpaceX or Space Force. He's uh he's SpaceX. That's a that's a really good yeah. question
0: that she brought up. Yeah, he's he's SpaceX, yes. Yeah, because And then uh Bezos has his own one, um Blue Origin, I believe is oh, the name geez. of his company. But the cyborg so technology
2: Elon Musk, I mean, he has first of all he 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 goes underground he goes underground with his boring company, okay creates underground bases we knew those uh, those uh boring machines existed even before Elon Musk and his Diddy came out because we read the books about underground bases uh, uh-huh. you know we read the articles and all that stuff um we've seen the pictures uh but the technology to actually create a human being or some type of uh, replicated human being to become an astronaut in space without a spacesuit given cybernetic implants, creating cyborgs for space. I could actually see Elon Musk and his company actually creating... We have SpaceX, and he has Neuralink. Put Neuralink together with SpaceX... And create a top secret project from there. Of course that's theoretical, but that opens the mind to possibly a project is actually happening with SpaceX and Neuralink uh, to actually create cyborgs for space. Hmm, who knows? I mean like is uh, <clears throat> is SpaceX and Neuralink working with the space force? Is that top secret? Who knows right now?
0: Elon Elon Musk would like us to think that, I'm sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's famous for uh making a lot of promises that he doesn't quite deliver on. So uh mm. you know.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that if windshield. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the windshield, yeah. Just just imagine that for a cyborg in space. Yeah, you know, just we're gonna toss this um. Living cyborg. Oh, look, it's cute. It's talking to me. It's actually, or actually, that's an AI cyborg, something transhuman, post-human creature we made. We actually brought it to life. It's a machine we brought to life. It's really cool. Now we're going to launch it into space and see if it lives. And then it dies tragically and horribly. And they videotape it and it, tr- it traumatizes everybody watching it. And, uh, maybe that's his next move. That'd be exciting. Why don't we all do that? That'd be fun create a new form of sentient life only to murder it in a bizarre and terrifying new way.
2: (laughs) Well, Aaron, um, I don't think you're too far away from what could possibly be actually happening.
0: (laughs)
1: Stop. I...
0: I agree with you, and I I know what you're saying, but uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> uh, I don't know. This just it's. I hey, mean, unless we see the documents, how do we know? Oh, we yeah, have well, the documents. True. We have the documents. First of all, um, we wouldn't make these weird claims if we didn't actually have leads or clues uh, to what actually does exist. And you know, between Aaron and myself, Bobby and my wife Kimberly, we. We base our opinions off of documented evidence that we have collected and seen and written about and talked about. You know, we're not just here to make this a comedy show. It's just some things um do become funny when you actually start talking about it, but then, you know, it opens the mind to the possibilities of what actually could be occurring out there.
0: I, I want to open my mind to understanding how Elon Musk gets through the day and and continues to take himself seriously. That's what I want to do. I I don't think I'm going to be able to do pull that one off, but, uh, you know. Uh, I <laughs> hey, I mean, he's, 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 uh, he's done well for himself. Let's not uh, – we won't take that away from, from him. He did real good with the PayPal thing, and then he seems to be – moving things along somehow. Uh, Seems to be... I mean, he's always flying by the seat of his pants these days, but he pulls it off one way or the other, so... Hey, whatever works, I guess. Works for him.
2: That is what works for him, is whatever works. (laughs) Whatever works. Uh,
1: Quite frankly, I don't trust that in any of these... um, I don't trust that facebook guy i don't trust that him and i don't trust they all seem to be puppets that look yeah. like they actually started up and had where you know we're the brains behind something I, no. I don't believe that at all i think they're part of a yeah. club they've been assigned a task maybe a... To, to be the head of this thing and represent it like like they own it like they were the creator of it I really don't trust that any of these guys are brilliant. I think they're puppets.
2: I could go on to say maybe a club of clones, but I'm not going to claim that. Uh, I I love talking about the concept of human cloning and just how simple it actually is. Um, You know, I've never tried to do it. I never will. It's just, it's actually just a really easy thing to do. And once you actually create a human being, they could actually be, could become your own property and trafficked and used and if need needed, programmed via neural implants. Though, 2020, we're still talking about that being a theory. When Elon Musk claims and actually has released a company called Neuralink and we know that these uh, these implants have gone on for at least 50 years. And then Aaron is talking about the experiments that go back way, way, uh, way beyond. Is it safe to say that this type of technology is no longer theoretical and that this is actually happening?
0: Yeah, a lot of this stuff is happening. Artificial intelligence is happening in a huge way. Space exploration's happening. Uh it's just, you know, a matter of what stage each given technology is in. And cy I mean, cyborgization and just the concept of cybernetics is an interesting one. Pioneered by or, or it was the term coined by Norbert Wiener, who is an interesting guy who was right. I mean, he was a big shot at MIT. And he worked for the military and and um, all the, all the bigwigs in this. Uh, and he actually broke away from them too. He started protesting against uh, the militarization of all this, which was fascinating. So, I mean, yeah, all the, this stuff is definitely happening. Uh, it's just a matter of, and, and again, the the mind uploading concept apparently is a doable thing, uh, which is which is weird, but hey, I. I there you have it um but i i think i'm gonna get going here soon bobby i think my computer is actually gonna shut off soon if we, if we keep going
2: well uh yeah i was gonna say um with that i was i was actually going to uh cut this off anyways so uh good timing there cool dude all right well yeah this is uh bobby vaughn jr and kimberly schultz over there with our our guest here aaron franz He's the host of the Age of Transitions podcast, and you can find that on iTunes, anywhere. I th- I think it's Apple Podcasts these days, but you can find it on... I like uh, iHeartRadio. I listen to it uh, every Monday night on iHeartRadio, mm. and um, cool. you can find it on Stitcher, all those podcatchers. Anyways, mm-hmm. Aaron... Thank you very much for being persistent, and thank you for your, your patience here. And we will do this again. I, I would love to, to do this again with you.
1: We'll do a live session sure. when we get the bugs sure.
2: worked out with that. Anyways, this is Bobby Vaughn Jr. and Kimberly Schultz. Aaron, uh, do you have any words you'd like to leave the listeners with?
0: No. Not really, just my website's theageoftransitions.com. That's it. And uh, thank you, Bobby and Kimberly, for having me here.
2: God bless. Thank you for your time.